Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Please consider supporting Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hey, this is Adam from Toronto, and I support Creative Control because Vish is full stop one of the best arts interviewers in Canada, or anywhere in the world, really. He approaches every episode like he's known the artist for years, creating a conversational atmosphere that gets straight to the heart of the work. No one else in podcasting gets it quite right like he does, with a mixture of meticulous research, wise artistic insights, and well-humored personal connections. I proudly support Vish and Creative Control on Patreon. You should, too. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. Carson McCone is a talented songwriter, poet, singer, artist, and musician currently based near Welland, Ontario. Originally from Austin, Texas, McCone has released three albums to date, including a wondrous new one called Still Life, which was recorded and co-produced with her life partner and musical collaborator Daniel Romano. Still Life was released on February 25th, 2022 by Merge Records, and it prompted Carson and I to have a lovely conversation about American and Canadian niceties. Finding a community in Canada and what she makes of the state of Texas and its vast landscape these days. The writings of Cormac McCarthy and George Saunders. How Still Life compares to her previous record, Carousel. What it was like recording music relatively instinctually and impulsively with Daniel Romano. Her membership in Daniel Romano's outfit. Upcoming tour dates, recordings, other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you, who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it, and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control with additional support from Blackbird Music, a well-stocked record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and friendly staff who will help you with just about everything you need in terms of ordering records. You can learn more about them at blackbird.ca. 
plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 672 of Creative Control, featuring the gifted and wise Carson McHone with your host, me, Vishkana. Hi, Carson. How's it going? Hey, great, Beesh. Thank you. Nice to have you on the show. You didn't ask me how I was. What, what is that about? Sometimes I grill people about this. Americans. <laughs> Americans never say. It's, it's like percentage-wise, statistically, Americans never ask me how I am. What's going oh on? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Here I am, the American. <laughs> the rude American. Sorry. That's very rude of me to point this out. But uh, just for the record, I'm doing relatively okay. So thanks for... Yes, I, th- well, I I know you're very kind and sweet. I'm, I'm sure you would have asked me if I wasn't being so awkward and rude. This actually isn't Carson. This is Daniel talking to you. Remember? <laughs> we We're did just have... play- this is all a ruse. <laughs> we did have a little mix-up. I was texting what I thought was Dan the other day, and it was you. You were like, hey, it's Carson. I'm like, what? It yeah. threw, threw me off. Do you guys often do this? Trick people? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I was, I was uh, working on... On Daniel's computer, I was using uh, the program Illustrator oh. and uh, making some edits. And uh, but yeah, so your name popped up, and I was like, "Oh, Fish and I will be speaking soon. I'll just introduce myself and say that plan works great." Um, but yeah, then we then we had a little fun with you. I don't think you you know actually, but the end of that conversation was also me. What was that? What happened at the end? <laughs> I you just started responding to me. A, as if I were Daniel. Oh, I see. After we had already sort of like, I think you thought that it was over. Anyways, we were having too much. Yeah, fun. there's a lot. And of- then we were both, then he was sitting on his phone and I was on his computer and we were both texting you. That, it was insane. So which one of you made the Microsoft joke? <laughs> that was Daniel. Okay, see? It was, that was good. It's, it's very treacherous to text Dan now. I never know who's <laughs> going to be responding. It could be anyone. But anyway, that was, no, it was fun. It was nice. I hope, I thought about it in retrospect. I'm like, do they think I'm actually upset about this? You didn't think I was actually upset. I didn't care. I just thought it was funny. Well, I, I just, like, at a certain point, I was like, oh, I don't really know Vish. And I'm just, like, engaging <laughs> with him here and, like, playing with him and... Maybe he finds that really annoying. No, but, it um, wasn't annoying. It's just I made a joke. You said, uh, <laughs> as long as uh, you said we were talking about the setup, right? And then you said, uh, as, uh, I'll be at my computer. And as long as I'm near a window, I think you said, or windows, yes. it'll be great. And I said, does yes. your computer have windows or something like that because of the yes. program? And then you said, is that a joke? And I was like, right. does she not know what Windows is? Maybe she's an Apple person. <laughs> then I got really like, I was like, this is awkward now. I feel like I tried to make a lame dad joke and then she shot me down and now I don't know what to think. So I couldn't tell. All of it was just a lot of. And then Daniel chimed in. I yes. Think. Yeah. No, then he was, said it was all. It was all in great fun. Yeah, Dan's, I, I Dan's uh, callback was that Windows joke made me Microsoft, which I thought was funny. And uh, that was very it was funny. good. All of it was very good. I'm glad we were talking about this text thread. <laughs> Nevertheless, it is very well. It's all that to say yeah. that I apologize for not asking you how you were doing, but I was caught up 
in our conversation before, mm-hmm. I think I had asked you how you were doing. That's true. You did. Perhaps. You did. Yeah. So I, yes, I came across as, as the rude American, but I did not. Mean it's to. just a little gag. I try to, I, I, I'm not looking to pounce on Americans for not asking how I am, but it does seem to happen more than with Canadians. Although I have uh, called out Canadians as well. And who am I? I'm very rude. Like, look how rude this has started. It's just very rude <laughs> to point out all these things. So it's just like yeah. a hypocritical thing I do, I guess. But I, I do honestly hope you're doing okay. Where in the world are you today? I am in the basement of the Romano family home. Daniel's folks are out of town and it's quite cold here. So we are staying at their place where they have central air and uh, also taking it upon ourselves to uh, shovel the driveway. Oh, nice. Um, while they're out of town. So so we're here for a couple of days and we've done that twice now, which is, which is kind of fun. I mean, uh, the other night, Daniel's brother Ian and his girlfriend Shannon came over. And so it's been sort of this funny little family gathering space where music is happening. Shannon's over now. She's scanning some of her art and anyways oh. it's kind of a nice little home base for a minute i home away from i don't home. know if i know the first of all i've been to that home uh mm-hmm. at least once and i recall it being a very lovely home at the time that i visited uh dan had a full-fledged studio in the basement i see some sort of pa speaker looking things behind you there so is it still active as a uh, a band room or recording space it is recently well during the past year they have busted out this wall that was, you can see the mm-hmm, beam mm-hmm. here. Um, there was a wall there. So this was kind of more like a control room. And then there was like a live yeah. room, but they've busted it out. So it's, it's much more open now. And in fact, at one point last year, we did uh, a little sort of impromptu show for, for Joni's birthday for, for Daniel and Ian's mom and uh, the outfit. And, and I play oh, nice. in here and uh, yeah, uh, Kenny, the sound engineer was was here with us. It was like a party, but it turned into a show. And so he ran sound and we got some cool lights going and played a show in the basement. But yeah, so there's there's some instruments around and there's space down here, which is nice. Nice. Um, no, it's, yeah. it looks, that's great. And it's a little home away from home. Oh, the other thing I was going to ask about, because you mentioned Ian yeah. and Shannon, and I, I don't know the whole story of the kind of place you guys normally live. Is it a bit of a communal living situation? Like, is he, does Ian live there as well? He doesn't, but they doesn't. they okay. live now just down the road. Right. Yeah. So we're all, like, the outfit crew is kind of all within, you know, arm's length, kind of. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's really nice, especially for me, somebody who's, a, you know, I don't feel so now but a bit of an outsider and coming into this this group and and finding like quite a welcoming little community here especially like to be introduced to this my new home away from home during such a time as we're living in now which is which is bizarre you know oh let me take you here or i want you to meet these people and that that's just not really happening these days so yeah yeah so it's been really nice to to have this Pretty tight knit, but really welcoming, close community here of friends and and fellow creators. Yeah, so that's, yeah, that's great. Now we uh, again awkwardly alluded to the fact that you are American, uh, and again, yes. I'd like to apologize for how I 
brought that to the table. But let's let's dig into that a little bit on, on two levels. One, can you talk about where you're actually from mm-hmm. and where you spent most of your time living before you moved to Canada? And also within that, how long have you been in Canada? Those are my two questions. Can you sure. speak to those? Yeah. Um, so I'm from Texas. I'm from Austin, so central Texas. And uh, that's where I've lived my whole life. Uh, I've spent uh, about a semester and a half in Arkansas, where I oh, was okay. briefly in college, but never never called anywhere else my home. Although the past probably five years or so, I've spent almost more time than not on the road. But yes, when I am home, um, it's always been Austin. And so, let's see, I moved with Daniel here in September of 2020. We arrived. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So the yeah. pandemic, all everything was in full swing. Uh, yeah. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. So it was an interesting time to be sort of relocating, but even before that, crossing a border. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That you know, so it's been it's been um, it's been interesting, but also really like the the perspective of of this weird time that we're in, and and with the pandemic and everything, it's like it's interesting. My family is all still in Texas. Um, yeah. My my dad and my grandfather and my brother in in Austin. Um, and my mother in far west Texas, um, out in the desert, and and then us being here for the most part the past two years. Kind of, we've gone back and forth a couple times, but it's especially in this climate, it's like get to where you're going and then kind of stay put for a while, yeah. just because yeah. things at the border are strange. But yeah, so it's been interesting to have this perspective, just sort of as people figure out how to navigate. The pandemic and, um, you know, the differences in, in climates here and there. And and then, you know, being there for a while, how you just sort of see things from from there. Anyways, it's it's quite, quite interesting. I mean, you're, you're um, alluding to climates and I can only assume you kind of mean literally like, you know, it's just a different uh, the winter here is harder uh, in Canada is harder than I mean literally but also figuratively I was going to say you know, like I yeah. mean what kind of pers- like I know the Texans I know who uh, are from like uh, who are from Texas or leave Texas it's always in their heart uh, they, yeah. they keep it close anytime I've spent in Texas has been kind of lovely if not a little overwhelming uh, yeah. but I think with uh, with Governor Greg Abbott and Senator Ted Cruz and then on the other side you oh, got yeah. Beto O'Rourke I think socially, socio-culturally, socio-politically, like, it's a very fraught place. Uh, I imagine you have feelings on this. Uh, I know. In the, it is. I mean, know. it's it's vast, you know. So there are lots of different kinds of people. Like, physically, the landscape is very different. And also, you know, the mentalities in those places are different. And so... Yeah, it's kind of a strange thing to be from a place that people sort of associate this like pride. I mean, there's a bit of that with wherever you come from, I think. But de- definitely Texas, I think, has has the rap of being like, you know, you've got like Texas pride. And, and bravado. Like, Don't mess you know. with Texas. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. 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 And so there's there's that, which is a funny thing to sort of blanket over such a huge state you yeah. know because you're covering 
a lot of ground there, or you're attempting to. And, you know, I'm from Texas, but I grew up in Austin, you know, which is a very different... Yeah, um, Austin, Denton, like the places I can think of are very like kind of yeah. liberal arts, uh, whatever yeah. you want to call it, like just pretty good vibes. But then you hear of these other places and you're like, oh, uh, it sounds totally. pretty rough or whatever. I mean, that's also just like me living in a vacuum or me having a a, a bias towards certain milieus, if you will. Like, sure. So, well, I'm, Austin itself is that way, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, in, in more ways than one, you know, as far as like how people think of things politically, but also, you know, socially. And I'm really, really grateful to have grown up in that city with the family that I grew up in and, you know, sort of the perspective of that liberal-leaning community. At the same time, it took getting out on the road and going to these little teeny tiny Texas towns in the beginning and then also beyond the state obviously itself and and to the rest of the world, but traveling to realize what I really thought about, about the city. And, and in some ways, you know, how, like it likes to think of itself as being very progressive and, and in a lot of ways it is, you know, but at the same time, like many of those sort of bigger Texas cities, although they are quite diverse, they're incredibly segregated and, you know, the liberal attitude you are amongst other liberals in this pocket of the city and so you can feel feel a certain way and vote a certain way politically but not necessarily ever interact with those people who are not like you yeah. even if you say that you relate to them is not the right word but but that you um want to re- represent people you know and it's like well but what who are you actually representing <laughs> like do you you know and it's just it comes with the territory, I think, but but definitely getting that perspective of of being outside and then and then coming back. Um, it's this has been crucial. It's all very interesting to hear this from you because you've talked about how being in Ontario and Canada, you value the fact that you're part of a community. I'm going to guess you were part of a similar community in Austin. But like when we're talking about Texas, like it's called the Lone Star State and there's some lonerism there. Like you're also talking about like how people are kind of galvanized but kind of isolated. And like when I think of the Lone Star State, and I'm not trying to put too heavy a hand on that little slogan or nickname or whatever. But, But like last winter, and I don't know what's going on this winter, but I think it's happening again. The world learned that Texas does not operate on the same grid it does not as the rest of the country that you live in or lived in so then we're like oh it really is this loner like is it going to secede like why would it be off the grid and, and you- can we support ourselves you know like yeah, all these people it's who very are gung-ho weird. about that yeah. yeah it's a strange sort of contradiction of itself in a way you yeah. know and yes there is something sort of similar happening right now as it did last winter you know my my mom's out in uh, Alpine, Texas, which is near Big Bend, which is uh, the big park out there. So she's pretty much out in the desert, but it's nine degrees there, which it's it's 10 degrees warmer here. Oh, it's I see. Fahrenheit. Yeah. Um, than it is in Texas right now, which is bizarre. And um, she I mean, last year was it was. Yeah, that was that was devastating. And, and it was it was brutal. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's not lost power yet which is good um and you know she 
remembering last year bought uh, a little camp stove in case she did. So, you know, but it's like. It's so bizarre. That's it. Isn't Texas like one of the richest states in, it, yeah. in the union? Like, it's, should it? Um, why is it like there's this is and I don't mean to uh, misspeak, but that's like third worldish like behavior yeah. uh, that yeah. you could lose power during a winter. Anyway, I, I don't I mean, we're not going to resolve Texas, you and I today, and nor is it our responsibility. Come but it, it is odd. And I but where I'm coming from by asking some of these questions is I wonder how Texas informs you as an artist, because in listening to your the two records I know of yours are Car- yeah. Carousel and mm-hmm. this beautiful new one, Still Life. And this the typical or stereotypical thing for someone like me maybe to think is, yeah, I can hear the Texas there. I can mm-hmm. hear the country and folk stuff that we associate with Texas. Sure. But on a so I'm just wondering on an aesthetic level, on a tonal level in terms of you as a songwriter, and by the way, like when I hear the song Hawks Don't Share, I'm I think about Texas and I think about what that means uh, as a, yeah. as an American to say Hawks Don't Share. But anyway, my point is this. Can you talk a little bit about how Texas informs you and your aesthetic? It's obviously a huge part of you. You're from there. But do you sure. do you feel like the tradition of Texas, if you will, informing your work? I guess in a way. Um, well, absolutely. You're correct. That yeah. I mean, every little thing I think is is informing me and, you know, whether I pick up on it or not. But but absolutely, I think the landscape, wherever I am, has, has been informative of the stuff that I'm writing. I want to say maybe that like as a kid growing up in Austin which is a relatively family friendly town or at least was when I was growing up like my folks were not musicians but there was they were in the beer business and um the beer business yeah yeah specifically in what regard distributorship oh distributing okay so They, they weren't making beer in the basement Actually, yes. When I was born, my dad and his brother and my mom and uh, they ran their own little brewery, which I think was just just ahead of its time. This is all the craft brewing. Ninety, ninety two. Yeah. Yeah. There's all that going Um, on now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. But um, but just prior to that, they were involved with uh, this distributorship. And so it was, you know, uh, my dad or other people they they worked with going to these bars in Texas in in Austin which is you know the live music capital of the world and most bars are also venues to right. a certain extent and um of course during south by any flat surface becomes a music venue and um do you but I no, don't, no 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 uh, I don't want to lose this thread and go on a yeah. tangent but I did attend one I've only ever attended one south by southwest and I can't say that I liked it do you like no, it? Oh yeah, do, it's do, insane. Do people like it? The locals like it? I can't tell. It's obviously no, a big it, influx. I mean, it's one of infusion. yeah, it's one of those yeah. things that's like it's just chaos, really. Yeah. Okay. I sorry. mean, my uh, no, that's okay. My my birthday falls during South by, which is like also kind of spring break, um, and now they've extended it. You know, it's two weeks now. But but growing up, it was always like, oh, let's leave. Let's go out of town. Yeah, Let's yeah, leave yeah. the city. Yeah. You know, um, and you're and you are a music fan, so that says something. Yeah. Like one of yeah. the world's biggest music festivals starts up in your hometown, and you're like, "We got to split for yeah." The, let's get yeah. out of here. Interesting. Um, yeah. No, I remember. I mean, it's it's just hellacious trying to like get through the city, let alone park, unload, you know, 
and then get to the next eight gigs you have in the in that one day or whatever. But yeah, it's it's insane. I mean, I rem I remember having to go downtown to do some sort of registry thing at some point during during a South by and somebody I was like crossing the Interstate thirty five runs right through the middle of town. Mm-hmm. And uh mm-hmm. I was I think I had even walked because it was just going to be too crazy to drive and try to park somewhere at the convention center to do this registry. But somebody sort of pulled up alongside the road and they were like, excuse me, um, can you tell me where the South by Southwest is? <laughs> and I was just like, oh, no, you poor thing. And I was like, you're in it, man. Um, and you're not getting out. Yeah. But yeah, it's insanity. Yeah. But it also is, you know, obviously, I mean, a working in service in industry too um during that time it's just like okay this is going to be crazy and it's going to be hell and we're gonna right try to make as much money as we can yeah exactly <laughs> which yeah. which you if you're playing or if you're involved in south by you want to be on the service industry side not so much the music side because you won't make any money playing music during south by but you know serving people hot dogs you can <laughs> have you yourself performed at south by southwest yeah yeah okay. many times so uh, but yeah, okay. it's wild. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. back yeah. to what we were talking about, which is sort of how Texas has informed me. Yeah. Um, what I was saying was that, like, I guess my introduction to music and and the scene before even beginning to to write and play myself was through my folks and their friends, and it was not necessarily even like about the music, you know, but as a young kid going to and from these bars in the beer truck (laughs) or what, you know, and meeting these people and then having musicians show up, you know, in the backyard and and having hangs or whatever and and meeting, meeting these different people as I was growing up, lots of characters, and then going to see live music with my parents because it was a town that had that every night of the week, you know, was, you know, it led to, to meeting people once I had, you know, picked up a guitar and was is playing some shows early on. Um, and my folks would come out and it would be like, oh, they know the bar- bartender. Like, and they're like, oh, we used to come here all the time, you oh, know. Oh. And um, that eventually actually led them back into the scene and away. And they ended up uh, opening their own bars. So my introduction to that was was through this slew of characters that I kind of grew up around but mm. not being involved with musically yet. But my folks were were fans of music, you know, and being a Texas kid, like, you know, you've got, like, Towns and Guy Clark and those sort of, that sort of storytelling. And I love that and appreciate it, but I never, I never wrote like that, I didn't feel. My mom is a writer. She writes short fiction and poetry. Oh. So I think as a writer, you gravitate to things like that. But that's very much like there's this narrative storytelling and a lot of that sort of singer-songwriter style. And I don't know if it's because I felt like I wasn't good at it or if it was just not the kind of thing I wanted to do, but I felt more inclined towards the poetry of it then and the scenery of it the landscape of it then that narrative that that sort of timeline that happens in a lot of those songs you know where there's a character and they go through these things i was more intrigued by 
the scene itself. The, the um, language, not necessarily the, the story, like the, yeah. the wordplay, if you will. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, you know, I started reading stuff like Cormac McCarthy and, you know, that stuff was that is poetry. I mean, there are epic tales in those in those books, but the way that he talks about landscape is incredibly moving to me. Well, and and it creates that you feel that well, and, and that I, thing. The poetry thing with Cormac McCarthy's resonates with me because it's it's also the way it's framed. There's no punctuation. There's no upper lower case. It it is a, a string of language and words. And you, if you when you first pick up a Cormac McCarthy a novel like that, uh, you have to attune to that. Yeah, you have to be like, oh, th- this is a totally different way of that I'm used to in terms of reading a narrative story. It's just right. A bundle of words, but but they cohere. Uh, yeah. If you're lucky, you you get so immersed in it, and you can't put it down. I think that's a, exactly how you are able to immerse yourself in it. Is you get yeah. the things around the very loose sometimes narrative start to you know the the painting you can see it you can see it and you're in it and then you sort of give yourself to it. It's interesting. What was I? This is sort of a random thought, but I listened to. This George Saunders. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Do you know him? I, I know of George Saunders. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was Lincoln and the Bardo. Is a mm-hmm. is a book of his. I listened to that book with my manager Tim on this tour I did in the UK, where it was just the two of us, like driving on the wrong side of the road and in the gray and cold. It is the right Which side is, of the world. There. Let's just be, let's be look. Clear. I'm a Texan, and I'm just going to say that's no, not. No, I right. think it's. <laughs> I think it's the wrong side of the road too. You and I know it's the wrong side of the road, but just for my listeners in the UK, we don't want them to think we think they don't. I know what only doing. say that because it was disorienting. Oh I, no! It is absolutely which I, is no, I, which leads yeah. me to this book, which has like so many different narrators, and it's we now we listened to it right, and so. That helped a little bit because it's different voices, but it's still like totally bizarre and you don't know what's going on for a good long while and sometimes Mm -hmm. even throughout it. But it's captivating and you do have to just put your hands up and give yourself to it. And then all of a sudden you fall, you fall in, you know, and Mm -hmm. you're, you're in step with it, but. You encounter I, I well, we were talking about Cormac McCarthy, and we were talking about oh, yeah. language, language, and words, as opposed to necessarily there being a, a linear structure to a, a narrative right, and songwriting. Right. All I was going to add to that is, like you mentioned, George Saunders, you mentioned Cormac McCarthy. You encounter these figures uh, in these lives where they do something in a convention, and they do it in a way you're like, why would anyone have done this differently? Like, I don't. Yeah. Why, why doesn't, or rather, why doesn't everyone do things like this? Like that's. What I get from people like that. And then as you read people like those two figures, and I'm not as familiar with George Saunders, I should say that. But and when you re- me neither, but okay. Yeah. When you when I read Cormac McCarthy and then you see his influence on others, I'll pick up a book by a Canadian writer who does the exact same thing. Yeah. And and, and obviously inspired uh, by Cormac, but it also works. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like a knockoff. You're like, oh, well, m- maybe we don't need all that mediation if you will of sure. of, of language convention so well i think you know people if there's an intent to play with the form that's curious itself you know that and 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 that can be engaging you know and it it's like 
I think a, a ripoff would be to just like fall back on that. Yeah, yeah. But for someone to incorporate that being influenced by this other person is immediately interesting. Yeah. You, I mean, it's compelling, you know. And you're, you're, from what I can tell, you're a scene setter. Like when you, the song Fingernail Moon, like I'm, I'm outside and yeah. I, I'm looking at that moon. So I feel like you have those, uh, that vivid, aesthetic where I, I feel like your songs transport me to their universe and I, I think that comes from what you're saying immersing yourself in other writers who do that sort of yeah. thing but also yeah. finding your own voice so I, I'm just saying well, I like, appreciate that yeah um, I think that I have uh, always thought of myself more as as write as a lyricist from that perspective as opposed to like a narrative storyteller but creating that world, you know, it's so crucial to, to being able to communicate then the small things that you are telling. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that with this album that I just made with Daniel, he was such an integral part to that because I am, I mean, I am a student always, but I think more so right now with music than than I have allowed myself in the past. So working with Daniel, I felt like I was he I was enabled to to use these musical tools that we were both you know had at our fingertips in order to help me create this scene in a in a more vivid way than I than I have been able to in the past and I think so much of that has to do with Daniel and also just being in the the place that I am now as a student and listening in a, a certain way to things so that I am I am hearing the thing that's making me feel that way because I feel like I've always been a very like I, I'm sensitive <laughs> uh, and I I feel like I can pick up on things and I feel them intensely yeah but I don't know that I've ever been able to like the whole package deliver that. And I'm I'm exercising that right now, which is really exciting with with my listening and also with my playing. And then obviously the two of us making this record essentially alone, putting those things, you know, to tape or protest. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate what you're saying. And I want to actually I, and I appreciate that Daniel has been a key uh, figure in your uh, artistic life in in recent yeah. years, it sounds like you're saying he's brought something out of you and and brought your imagination closer to tape, which I, I totally appreciate. But I wonder if this is a worthwhile time to distinguish between your last record that I'm aware of, Carousel, which came out in 2018, and where you were at then, mm-hmm. and that sound as a, as it relates to still life, because I see a huge difference there. I hear the uh, Daniel Romano's outfit. Uh, <laughs> aesthetic a little more clearly in still life, obviously, and that's for obvious reasons. But what do you as a distinction artistically as a whole between these two records? Do you feel like there's other aspects of your voice and expression that are that have been heightened in recent uh, years? Well, I think something that's worth talking about or mentioning at least is that Carousel was was a bit of a almost like a retrospective. I was I was sort of reimagining songs that I had recorded initially in Austin. 
and this was years later, and it was sort of a collection of songs that I had that I had been playing out in this bar scene with lots of different bands or, you know, scenarios of, of bands for, for me in order to put my music in the world. And so that was kind of a strange exercise to look back on those songs and, and re-record them. And there was like baggage with it. I felt like I was I was revisiting the stuff that I needed to revisit for a certain reason. You know, I needed to like revisit it so that I could move on. And so a lot of that was years, years, kind of years in the making. You know what I mean? And, yeah, yeah. And with with them um, still alive, everything seemed really immediate. Yeah. I mean, and current probably. Cur- yeah, current. I mean, there are a couple of songs that I had been carrying for a while that for whatever reason I hadn't recorded or I'd played with recording and they just it wasn't the right time or or whatever. But for the most part, these songs were written within the same year that they were recorded, you know, which was new for me in that way. It was it was very immediate. And I think that comes across. I mean, I think that there's an urgency in, in the music and in the lyrics that is potent, I would like to say. <laughs> I hope. No, absolutely. Um, absolutely. And I think you're, you're kind of getting to the notion that I talk to. I talk about this with people sometimes that there's so much art where the creator is learning in public. Yeah, yeah. Like you're, you're making a record for the first time. And you've never done it before. And I then mean, you're, pre- you're presenting it yeah. to people and they have to be like, I guess this is who this person is. And then within a couple of years, you're like, no, I've learned so much from that experience. And now the next thing's going to be, it could be radically different. I mean, we both know Dan has gone, if you, if you examine his catalog, for example, yeah. he's, a, he's a real exemplary artist for, uh, for this uh, line of discussion, I think, because it's just been, radically different as he's gone on and i i assume sure. i assume in your in your own way you feel like that last previous record is radically different from this one it was a whole other thing yeah but they're both yeah, sort of circulating mean, and yeah so it's it's interesting sure. yeah yeah i mean it's interesting how we we relate to works that that feel like they're a part of our past <laughs> Even if not much time has passed, um, I just I mean, I, I, as, even, as we're speaking, it's Bandcamp Friday, and I just on yeah. a, on a whim, someone randomly brought up the fact that I played in a band with a, a relatively well known journalist in Canada, and I said, "Oh yeah, someone from Michigan," and I said, "Oh yeah, yeah, uh, I can get you those records." So I built a Bandcamp page, and it's Bandcamp mm-hmm. Friday as we're speaking. So I, I was like, you know what? Right. Hey guys, I'm just gonna share it. I don't care. Like it's it's some of it. I'm like, ugh. Why did right. why did we do that? But some of it, I'm like, it's fine. It's good. It was just what it was, and I'm. What am I supposed to do? I'm not gonna. I'm. Yeah. I'm. It was. It was buried, but we've unearthed it. Like it was only on CD compilations or a CD. Like there was sure. no. And so there's part of me that's like, uh, it's a it's a sign of maturity to let go. Like yeah, some of that yeah. I'm proud of. Some of it I'm not. I've moved on with my life. I'm not gonna hide this from anyone. You, 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 so I, I'm not saying that you're doing that, but it must be the artistic mind has to do that compartmentalize yeah, its past absolutely yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah. yeah i mean it's it's interesting how how we develop and how we grow and and that you know sort of every little thing is is influencing that in a way and 
I feel like oh, there are a couple of things that I would like to say in regard to that. Like the process with still life, like I said, it all felt pretty immediate, mm-hmm. especially because of the like the writing of the songs and then the recording of them happened, you know, pretty much within a year of each other, which can seem like a long time if you're hanging out with Daniel, but <laughs> this was, you know, um, in like normal time, uh, yeah. not Daniel time. Yeah. Um, but, but for me, that was, that was quick, or at least it felt like that. Um, but then on top of that, and this is the weird thing about this time and, me relating that to this record and and sort of the energy that it embodies is like over the past two years uh my life has changed dramatically um you know i this pandemic happened so my life shifted immediately when i was called home from tour in spain and i just left in the middle of a run and flew home and went immediately into a quarantine because I'd been kissing Spaniards on both cheeks and stuff, you know, and and it was like, oh, my God. OK, uh, got to get home. And then I was home in this is strange time that everyone was subjected to. And then in the midst of that, I, you know, I got married and I have a life partner now, which is a, a huge deal and a, a, a different way of orienting yourself with the world and then moving, you know, I have not, I mean, I definitely still call, call Austin and call Texas my home, but moving to a different country. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's just across the border, but it's been a wild time. And so then to, to carry these songs that I wrote sort of in a frenzy when I had these short little moments at home during a busy tour schedule to then having this strange pause in your normal schedule that becomes very prolonged um and then to pick everything up and bring it here and say okay let's make a record uh with all this other stuff happening and i'm and i'm growing and i'm learning and i'm experiencing things in a new way thinking about music or the world or myself in a different way it was like double speed but also totally slowed down in this bizarre way that I mean we were talking about a vacuum before but I kind of like it's it was kind of this strange limbo like bardo sort of like hanging moment of Mm. like like looking at well specifically with these songs like they carried with them certain things and I they were written you know, in my little house in Austin between tours. And then I brought them here and whatever they were carrying in this new context either fell away or was, you know, much more defined. And that was very helpful yeah. to take, to, to take myself and, and these tunes out of their, you know, initial, perspective or or surroundings and address them here it was a very good exercise for me and it felt i mean i had i had made um a handful of demos with with the crew that i was 
touring with in Austin or out of Austin for, with these songs, a couple of them. And like, I showed those to Daniel. And it was almost to the point where like some of the stuff was like really raw. It was just like a guitar and my voice. Some of the stuff was more fleshed out, but it was something that I was like, do I even like, do I want to use this? Like, do I want to release something like this that I, I mean, I could sort of piece, piece this thing together and it would be an interesting thing. And then we came here and I mean, I think you're familiar a bit with how Daniel works and mm-hmm. he likes to pick something up and run with it, you know? And so we decided, no, let's just uh, set up the drums in the living room and <laughs> make this record. So it was interesting. I think I jumped all around there and I'm, I apologize, but no, 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 it's fine. I, 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 I'm trying, the only thing I'm trying to land on is you said you wrote most of these songs in your house in Austin. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, all, well, of, I, all of them except, I mean, maybe one or two began on a tour somewhere in an attic in Sweden or something, but, but I mean, the, the real writing of the songs happened. Yeah. In my house in Austin. And so what time frame were most of these written? Like, do you remember the, the years or the span of time? Yeah, it would have been like late 2019. Okay, so prior to... It's just fascinating to me because I hear in the songs, you know, a recognition that things are changing for you. Yeah. I hear, I hear emergent love. Uh, I hear relationships ending. Uh, when I hear the song Still Life, and which is you know, the motif of the record, if you yeah. will, just because that's how it's sure. framed yeah, uh, yeah. as the title. But that's an interesting concept in 2022, because to my Absolutely. limited <laughs> to my limited knowledge, it, it alludes to uh, a, a form of visual art, if you will, and yeah. and art, art generally. And yet here we all are in this period of lockdown and isolation, where in your field in particular, as a touring musician, your life is still. So again, I'm. This is too English, uh, rudimentary English essay, maybe at the moment. But no, I mean, that's. <laughs> I appreciate that because I feel like that's how I w- work. Um, and it's yeah, it's it's strange how I think, and that I think that's why I went into the, to the whole sort of story of this. Mm. where they were written, how they were written, and how they were recorded, when they were recorded, and having it all be within this year, um, this this one year, you know, from yeah. late 2019 to late 2020. It's weird because I think um, but at least a couple of people have asked me, like, oh, was this, you know, the, these songs were written during the pandemic, you know, and they weren't. They were written right before that. And it's just interesting how how things come to be and uh you know turn into like i mean it's i do feel like they were written at a time when i was having to strangely enough with my hectic schedule slow down because i was completely overwhelmed with this or that or whatever and it was time to really try to put things in 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 focus and address what I had in front of me and like, okay, you have this perspective and what will you do with it? Hmm. Um, How do you, how will you move forward and can you do so with intention? And 
the thing is, is I think that the songs themselves and the energy of the record itself doesn't resolve that, you know? And in that way, the like urgency of of the album, it's very much in turmoil still, you know, the, I think the entirety of it. But as somebody who is now looking at it as something that I did like in the past, like not the distant past, but like it's something that's finished. It embodies just that. And the fact that it is at all is proof that I did move forward with intention. Um, yeah. yeah. But so it's a weird like exercise just that it exists, at least for me <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a person who's I don't know if that sounds insane, but it, I, I mean, it's quite simple, really. But maybe it just sounds like not profound, but it's like really is simple. Yeah. You sound like <laughs> someone who uh, ruminates on ideas uh, maybe a bit more than uh, in this case. I <laughs> no, I wasn't going to say that at all. You, you, your primary collaborator, like you said, is someone who's like, let's just do this. And right. I've had numerous conversations with Dan about some of the records he's made. And it almost always comes down to, well, the drums were set up and mic'd. Yeah. <laughs> so why the hell wouldn't we just, I wouldn't just, why wouldn't I just, you know, get a bunch of songs down? And, and, and yeah. so that is a very, I can see how that would be alien to someone who's used to thinking a lot about what a session means or how a song is going to come across, like for posterity or whatever. Like some of us sure. get the recording studio or the recording process can be daunting because you, you have a sense of the history you're making for yourself. As I alluded to earlier, like I put out a bunch of a band I was yeah. in. Some of it I can stand by. Some of it I'm like, that's a little corny, but what are you going to do? But like you, I think everyone who goes into a studio and hears we're rolling knows what's going on and knows what they're doing. And I can see you as someone who's still, I think I would argue maybe relatively new to the recording process even. Yeah. 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 To have someone just say, let's just do it. I can see how you would be a little jarred because you're someone who spends, I can tell by your lyrics that you spend a lot of time thinking about what you're going to do and what you're trying to say. And I, mm -hmm. I, and when I hear this record, like I say, I hear like a broken, distorted guitars and stuff like that stuff. I don't know yeah. that you've totally explored in your work before. Like it was a different set. All of it was just different. And yeah. that, that's my read of it. And so you're like, the approach was different. The sound is different, but I fit my voice fits in this. So, and my aesthetic fits it just in this. made. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Uh, you should. I've been rambling for about five <laughs> minutes on this line of thought. Sorry. Well, no, no. I mean, I th that's the thing is like I when it is argued that this is this is new and different. It's like, yeah, it is. But like, if you follow, if I tell you this every this thing, it's it makes perfect sense. It's exactly yeah. what, of course, would have happened. And like, it's interesting because you know we were talking about Daniel's. Recording process, um, yeah. process in general, artistic yeah. process, and it was it was that way. But also, I mean, remember that we're setting up in our living room, and it's the two of us, and we have we're on our own time. So, in that way, it was like at any point we could say, "Oh, we need to walk away from this for a minute," you know, or and and two, we're not there's not a live band. It's the two of us building these tracks, you know, 
piece by piece because we it's only the two of us you right. know and and for the most part it's it's you know daniel playing drums daniel playing bass and and you know so it's like we build out and so we like our limitations really allowed us actually a lot of experimentation at least for me as someone who was new to a lot of this stuff you know doing multiple vocal tracks or auxiliary percussion and like throwing extra guitars on stuff you know it was like that stuff was was new to me and it was something that we could experiment with having the drum set up in the living room meant that like if Daniel approached a song a certain way and he he could do anything and it would be like oh whoa that's yeah that's it or I could be like um no that's really not um that's not gonna work that's yeah. not what I'm like it, it's yeah. not gonna be that way and it's like okay <laughs> here we go like switch switch gears yeah. and try something else yeah yeah so yeah it was funny how I mean how you would think that maybe it would it would be like intense or or jarring because Daniel does work a certain way and to have somebody else involved in that process I think even for him sometimes is is the challenge but it was we also had the you know we did it in our living room so we allowed ourselves space with things and you know that was that was really special yeah yeah but I mean you know yeah it was it was an interesting thing because we hadn't worked together musically before you know so it was kind of like just sort of seeing how each other would react to the way that we were reacting to the songs themselves, you know? Um, yeah. And I felt like it was very natural and organic. And I, like I said, the way that I'm listening now, I think I've, I've developed, like my ear is developing and, and I'm, I'm able to pinpoint the, th- the things that I'm hearing or the things that I want to hear better than I have before just because I'm learning it. And so, so it is yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, Oh, this, that is exactly, this is what I, this is what I want it to be. Or this is, yes, that's it. Or no. <laughs> or what about this? You know, for what it's worth, I think it's a, a really wondrous union and this record still life is, is great. I mean, as a fan of Dan's and now as a fan of yours, like, like, it's perfect. Like, you've done a, a fantastic job together. So I want to commend you on that. Before we... I don't want to hit this too hard, but I do want to... I alluded to Hawkstone Share earlier. Yeah. And I just am curious about that, because it sounds like something you'd hear, like, Attenborough say in, like, a Planet Earth documentary. <laughs> of course, Hawkstone Share. Yeah, I can't do the accent, but my point is this. <laughs> That's an interesting sentiment, and I know that there's some metaphorical aspect to it. What what inspired that that song and that turn of phrase? I will tell you. I hope it doesn't make you think less of me. Okay. Um, well, first of all, I've always been a hawk person. I think my dad's a hawk person. Hawks, and I'm hawks that are cool. Person, I, I like I'm hawks. that person in in the van who's like, oh, what? there's a hawk. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But, oh, there he is. Anyways, hawks don't share, or actually hawks do not share, is the title of a chapter in A Movable Feast by Ernest Hemingway. Ah, yes. Okay. And huh. it's... It's that chapter specifically is about Zelda and F. Scott Fitzgerald and their tumultuous relationship. 
specifically mm. creatively, like that there was lots of sabotage involved and jealousy. And that is actually a song that, that I'd been carrying for a while. I wrote that song, actually began writing that song years ago, finished it probably a couple years ago. And then, yeah, we recorded it for this. But, but yeah, that was when I read that, it was unfortunately something that I related to, <laughs> uh, which, which is, which is, a, you know, it's beautiful and interesting. And I think, you know, we create our reality to a huge extent and like to make that song the way that it is record the song, the way that it, that it is heard now on this record with Daniel as a creative partner and a life partner, and then to make an accompanying music video with all of these other creatives that are a part of my new community is a very important thing to me. You know, it's it's like that song came was spawned from, you know, just this bizarre sort of creative jealousy and then became the catalyst for like these beautiful connections and and this like collaborative piece on many levels the song itself but also the, the video that i made with the outfit and anyways um yeah it's just funny it's like the songs sounding like they were written in the pandemic and they embody so much of the things that i think a lot of us are relating to these days and it's just like i'm i'm realizing through this whole process, you know, developing my ear, my yeah. eye visually, yeah. that, you know, it's the things that we focus on are the things that influence how we go about our day to day, you know, and it's how we position ourselves within that and how we choose to approach something yeah. that's going to determine the way we feel and the things that happen around us. I mean, we've I've come across in my studies and in my conversations with people like you and and who make other things like the lazy thing is to suggest that there's a certain prescience in art, but what I mm -hmm. what I'm dialing into is that I think it's not simply prescience; it's that prescience suggests that something hasn't happened yet, I guess, and that and that. Mm -hmm. uh, that, oh, wow, these soothsayers knew what was going to happen. But what I'm trying to dial into is I think that stuff that you're singing about that everyone is experiencing during a pandemic that you wrote before a pandemic, that means it was already there. That the I mean, that's the thing. The artistic like, mind is tapping you, into stuff that the rest of us are missing. And that's, I think, one of the reasons yeah. we value art is because most artists are stopping to notice something and observe something and convey something about it that the rest of us maybe don't have time for. And then when something like a pandemic happens... Or and, don't notice. Yeah, or don't notice, yeah. exactly, right. Because I think everybody in their own way is is doing that. You know, that's why you get f these beautiful, dark, quiet films that are about everyday people that you're like, whoa, with that framing, that is profound. Yeah. And that's just somebody's the mundanity of what you know it's like yeah, that yeah. that's that's real and and i think it's just yeah taking the time to to notice those things and 
sometimes there are things that you don't want to take too much time to note or, you know, you want to pay attention to it and address it, but not, you know, sink into it. There's some um, hard, hard truths in noticing things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, I just want to say again that uh, I appreciate you and I appreciate this record and uh, it's lovely. And Thank I hope you. I hope people spend time with the, the words as much as the sounds and they wonderful yeah. singing too. like I, I hope I feel like we've both delved in and scratched the surface, but I hope you're feeling good about what we've conveyed about this work and your work. Um, and if you're not, I correct, do. OK, just making sure I like to check in at the end. I need a report card before the end of a. A conversation for some reason. Now we no, I are, really appreciate. That. <laughs> we're in a period of uh, stillness. I think as we're speaking, as we're speaking, two things. The record came out on February twenty fifth. Tours have been scheduled and canceled, and all those sorts of things. Can you, in some way, as we're speaking, Carson, give us a sense of your future plans, either when it comes to touring uh, or other singles or videos or activities we should be looking out for? Can you do that? Yeah, absolutely. So, yes, as you said, there have been tours scheduled and rescheduled. So, I mean, the rest of of 2022 is basically booked up. I'll be I'll be busy playing if things go as I hope they do and continue to get better. <laughs> I plan to to be on the road. But also, I mean, like we talked about, this record was written pretty much in 2019, and um, I've done a lot of writing since then. Oh, nice. And uh, so I'll have another record in in the works, along with, you know, likely some visual representations of that work. And what else? I don't know. I, I plan to stay busy. I mean, I've been keeping that way so far. I'm I'm really missing playing yeah. and performing. Yeah. I I did not realize how much how much that meant to me. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. In terms of I look forward to that. Uh, yeah, I, I appreciate that. In, in terms of uh I know it's very young in terms of writing new songs, but do you imagine you'll approach it the same way with you and Dan figuring things out? Yeah. I mean, in fact, we've we've played around here and there we built a studio so we have this this space that we can be creative in which is incredible and so we've we've already begun playing around with uh with some of the tunes and yeah i imagine things will happen along similar lines yeah um but surely it will be different and in many, many ways. <laughs> yeah. And it should be noted, and I, I, I probably, uh, uh, we haven't talked about it, but you're now also a member of the outfit, Dan, Dan's band. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you're really joined at the hip, uh, creatively and, uh, familiarly. You're, you're doing everything together. That's great. Yeah. It's, it's been incredible. And, and uh, I'm learning a lot. What an honor to, to be working alongside Daniel and, and the rest of his band. Um, the outfit are all, wonderful wonderful musicians and creators and and people and um yeah so i i mean it's very exciting for me i've i've never really been a part of a group like that and well at all <laughs> and yeah. so yeah it's it's been really really great work for me to to exercise those those other parts of my creative side that's not just me 
putting something pen to paper or whatever, you know, but being involved with someone else's vision um, and sound. It's, I've it's a lot. lovely to, for me to hear that you found both like family and community in Canada. Uh, that's great. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. Now, if people want to learn more about you or follow you on the on mm-hmm. their telephones, on their computers, uh, those sorts of things, where would you like to send them? I guess I would send people to I have a website. I don't know if people go to websites anymore, but I've I've people always say this, but isn't everything just still a website? Isn't Instagram right. basically I know. a website? Yeah. What's the difference? Yeah, I, I guess they're all websites. Right. You're right. All your stuff is at your website, which is great, but then you have all these other websites. Here are my websites. So I think they're all sorry, I don't mean to go on a rant, but everyone keeps saying this. Like, I have a website, but I'm a little sheepish because everyone uses Well, I'm sheepish because everyone uses the social media, but they're all websites. Come on. Yes. Well, the the one website, the the <laughs> www. whatever. Um Carson McCone Music, I think is what it is. Um I I don't know. I've like it's weird navigating like Instagram, f- Facebook. I hardly really know how to do that anymore, but I have a yeah. really friendly manager who helps me do that. Um, but like Instagram is like, what does it even do anymore? I don't know how to like, do people even see that stuff? I don't know. But so anyways, like this website, www, um, I don't know. I feel like, I mean, you can only do so much on Squarespace and I'm not very tech savvy, but I do feel like it's it's been a cool way for me to interact with at least like the the visual side of things i have like i have it laid out a certain way um i've been making a lot of visual art and those things are incorporated in the layout and also there's a page specifically for that so anyways i i would encourage people to check that out if they're at all interested in in what i'm doing okay Um, yeah yeah and then find you on the other things and like instagram uh, yeah i i usually like yeah. I mean that's that's news and and I I post art on there as well so um, that's that's yeah. definitely a good way but yeah I li- I like your Instagram if, for what it's worth so hey, uh, good job on that <laughs> and then uh, for people interested in picking up a copy of Still Life uh, either go to your local record store absolutely hopefully or or visit mergerecords.com. yes and you can find more info about Carson and her work there Carson if we can go out on a song from Still Life. Uh, I know people have gotten used to it already because it's been out, but can you pick something? And if so, can you tell us why you chose it? Absolutely. Spoil on the Vine is uh, the last track on side one of the record. And um, it's actually the the first song that I made a video for. And um, that's out in the world now. So you can hear that and also see the accompanying video wherever you find videos. Now, is this a song that reflects your youth, per se? I know there's lots of allusions to, uh, I think, it seems like, sort of relationships you might have as a child, but I can't tell if that's just metaphorical or... can you? Yeah, I mean, I think, gosh, what isn't, really? I mean, I feel like more and more these days when I pay attention to the things that that I'm, like, drawing from in my weird, like, subconscious, maybe, it's like, oh, that definitely is from this thing in my childhood. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I was thinking a lot about um, the the video embodies a, a certain follows a certain thing, but but the song itself, I think, you know, sort of the allegory of the cave and like sort of things being being veiled and how there's like 
lots of lots of angles that you could look at that from creatively or in a way that feels like you're being stifled um hmm. anyways that's <laughs> too involved for no no well this conversation it's, it's it's good to let people make up their own minds i'm sorry if exactly. I, i'm sorry if exactly. i imposed to ask you a bit more uh background but it's hey i have you here might as well get a little more insight <laughs> Uh, this is Spoil on the Vine from the excellent new record, Still Life by Carson McCone. Carson, this was, uh, for me, very lovely. It's been uh, very, uh, I'm very happy to get to meet you a little bit this way. I've heard a lot about you, but I haven't actually talked to you that much. So I hope you enjoy this and, and that we speak again soon. And I wish you the best of luck with everything in the future. You as well, Vish. Thank you again. And, um, and I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today.
I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Once again, thanks to Carson McHone for appearing on this, the 672nd episode of Creative Control. I know I I said that like it was a question. I think that's true. Anyway, let's just go with that. 670. Carson McHone was on the 672nd episode of Creative Control. That's what we're going with, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you're looking for or if you want to learn more about me, and sign up for my monthly newsletter. Hey, guess what? Put out a newsletter in the month of March, 2022. So how do you like that? I haven't done that in a while. I haven't, hasn't been as monthly as it should be is what I'm saying here. Anyway, if you want to sign up for the newsletter and learn more about me and find old episodes, please visit my website, which is vishkana.com. Or if you want to pronounce it actually correctly, it's vishkana.com. But I never have, I've already said it wrong for so many years that I can't change it. That's like the Indian pronouncement. You'd say Kanna. But I feel like it's too hard for some people to even say Kana or Vish, as you may have heard on the show. Let's just go with vishkana.com still. If you like Creative Control on Facebook, you can follow the show on Twitter at Vish Creative, or you can follow me directly on Twitter and on Instagram at, at vishkana. Vishkana. Visit patreon.com slash creativecontrol to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this podcast. Thanks for doing that. For all of you who are doing it, it's really kind of overwhelming. I mean, it's a modest Patreon as far as Patreons go, but it means a lot because I give so much stuff away for free with the podcast, and 
and and then I try to put some bonus features up on the you know extra rare or whatever stuff on the Patreon, and people seem to like that and want to support the show. So thanks, six dollars or more a month grants you access to that exclusive content that I was just talking about. And if you're interested in receiving a Creative Control T-shirt, just message me on Patreon, and I will get you one just as soon as is humanly possible and while supplies last. Again, it's monthly, it's flexible, you don't have to do $6, you can do whatever amount you want a month. All of it is appreciated and supports the making of this show, which again is otherwise delivered to most people for free. Thanks again to the fine Alberta record retailer Blackbird Music, which you can learn more about and place special orders at via their website there, blackbird.ca, and also to Pizza Trocadero, the bookshelf and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, for their in-kind support for this show. Blackbird, by the way, is located in Calgary and Edmonton, Alberta, just so you know, if you're looking for that record store, uh, the bricks-and-mortar location. Uh, thanks to Jim Guthrie for letting me use some music of his on the show. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you for listening to this episode with Carson. I hope you enjoyed it and her, and we'll check out her music. It's great. And thank you for subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends all about the show and maybe urging them to do the same and then having like a book club gathering about Creative Control, except it's not about books, it's about the podcast, Creative Control. That's good. And you, you have chips and soda pop. It's very wholesome. Thank you very much. I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.